Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Hey, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Post. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Scott. How are you doing today, Scott? I, I am. Scott is doing fine. <laughs> we, are, we are here in California where the weather is extremely hot. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't think that's news to anybody because it's been on the news everywhere. It has been on the news everywhere. Yes. Yeah. I've been hearing the nationwide weather alerts that high, high heat in California, Texas and Florida. Yeah. Somewhere you else. know, we did this last year and yeah. yes, the grass withers and yes, the plants need extra water and yeah. we, we will get through this. Um, obviously, for those of you listening, if you don't have an air conditioner and there's a heat problem, go somewhere where it's safe. Yes, please. Before you do not leave your dogs or pets in a, in a car, even with the windows down, it gets no. unfair. Or kids, don't leave anybody in the car, frankly. Right. And uh, you can always take a cold bath. Yes, yes. And and use uh, cold compresses and things like that. What's going, on, what's going on in your world? Well, so um, there's a new like game show that I haven't watched yet that is a generational game show where they bring on a Gen Z, a millennial, a Gen X, and a baby boomer. And it was sort of, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm super excited about it because you and I just had that conversation last week about when your granddaughter was visiting and you told, yeah. you called her, um, El his Elroy. Elroy, his boy Elroy from the Jetsons. And she was like, Who no are idea. The Jetsons? I, I <laughs> made, I, by the way, after we talked, I made her sit down and watch the first episode of the Jetsons, oh, you did. Uh, which did I you found, like I, I found on YouTube. Uh -huh. Um, does it last the test of time? I, I think she was being polite. Uh -huh, I mean, it's, probably. It's, it's very dated, but but, <laughs> yes. but, that, but then again, um, and I don't want to want you to lose your train of thought, but then I mentioned to her Alf, and then I mentioned oh, to her, Alf, remember, right? Alien yeah. life form. And then yeah. I meant, and then I mentioned dinosaurs. Do you remember yes. the TV show from, I yes. think it was Sid and Marty Croft with, with the, the, not the yes. mama. Um yes. And didn't you teach her the Mork and Mindy Nanu Nanu hand signal? So all the kids have now, <laughs> by the way, over the last week, they have all learned live long and prosper, the Vulcan uh -huh. salute, which is actually uh -huh. a Jewish blessing. So they've learned the Jewish live long and prosper salute. Uh -huh. And it's been very funny watching the little ones take their fingers and spread them apart because they don't, right, it's not I a normal. I have to do that. And, and, then I, and then I have taught them all Nanu Nanu, which is, of course, Robin Williams' version, version of Live Long and Prosper. So, <laughs> but yeah, they have, no, they have no context for where the hell is Papa getting this stuff? Uh -huh, uh -huh. And then I told you, I, I had a, like a group of interns who were all on the young spectrum of, of millennium, millennials when I was working at my agency. Like I had several of them. And at one point I mentioned 
Jean Jean the Dancing Machine. Oh, that's and, right. And then you told me a story about Jean Jean that I so, want you to share with our listeners. All right. So so just very quickly, of course, I used to watch the gong show. Um, uh-huh. And I think it was uh, Chuck Barris would come on and he would, he and Jean Jean would dance. <clears throat> and yes. it's one of those things where, you know, as a kid, or at least at the age you're watching this stuff, these have impact on you. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been watching a documentary on the American Gladiators TV show, which ran oh. for years. Um, and unfortunately, it's one of those things where you probably don't, if you loved the show, which I did, you don't want to watch this documentary and realize uh. what actually happened. Uh, okay. so, similar to uh, when I had a theater company, I had a number of moms, how's that for aging and dating and generationally positioning myself a number of moms who were actually on the thunderbirds uh for roller derby out here in los angeles oh yes the thunderbirds oh some of the stories i heard from behind the scenes it was like oh this is not good so at any on the thunderbirds yes at any rate make a very long story short for sake of time today uh i happened to uh have I, i was out at the studio uh going to visit the tonight show and in comes the security guard the security guard in the lobby is frantically telling all of us there were four of us in the lobby there was someone up on the roof and they were probably going to jump and I ran out there and Scott being Scott attempted to fix the situation by talking to this individual on the roof and uh Fire department shows up, police department shows up, the uh, wow. police department decides it's going to try and rescue him off the roof. They asked me to go up on the roof since I had, quote, rapport with him. Um, they, asked <laughs> wow. me to, they asked me to go up on the roof and talk to him. And when we got up on the roof uh, of the production studio, they said, just don't get close enough that he'll grab you because if he falls, you'll go with him. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do now? They said, keep his attention. So I wound up doing magic with him for about 15 <laughs> minutes you know cards and coins and got his attention while they they saved him well as a result of that um as a thank you they said how about we just get you to the tonight show early we'll let you you know we'll let you go backstage we'll let you visit everything back there and it was just absolutely wonderful and as we're there before the audience comes in and and everything else I happened to be talking to to one of the cameramen and it was Uh like you look really familiar. Uh huh. And he just kind of smiled. And I said, wait a minute, you're Jean Jean, the dancing machine. What <laughs> the heck? Yeah. Jean Jean, the dancing machine wound up leaving um, the gong show, becoming a camera operator. And then wow. he was one of the head cameramen for the tonight show. And I actually he did, he a, little did, little, did, did a little dance with him and, uh-huh. um, it was a very, very nice man. Very nice man. But yeah, nobody Aww. in the world, nobody else knows who Jean Jean the dancing machine is. <laughs> so, so I assigned my interns who were, you know, 20 somethings at the time to go watch episodes of the gong show so that they had an understanding of the ridiculousness that I grew up with on TV. And so our audience there, I'd say most of our audience are older millennials, from the age range, older millennials, Xers, and baby boomers. But occasionally we get a a Gen Z, like your granddaughter. And Mm -hmm. so for any of you that are, have never heard of these shows, we want you 
just for fun. You know, this is about keeping your shit together, right? So this is just a pure, fun, stupid exercise that we want you to do. Go and look up um, Jean Jean, the dancing machine. Uh, look up the unknown comic. Remember him with the bag over his head? I'm actually friends with Maury Langston on Facebook. Get out. Get out. Maury, Maury, is, Maury is still around. <laughs> of course you are. And look up a Mork and Mindy episode and appreciate the talent of Robin Williams way back in the day and maybe a, a Jetsons here or there. Those are those that is your fun assignment for you out there listening. If you go back and do some nostalgic digging of old TV. And I can't believe retrospectively watching some of the gong show episodes here and there, I can't believe they let that adult sexual content on tv i didn't know Wait, as a did kid you, do you remember what used to happen on um laughing rowan and martin's laughing was so filled with, with innuendo it was incredible uh, from yeah. goldie hawn dancing in a bikini wow. to just some of the other content wow. uh, you know groucho marks on his talk show wow you know, when when he said to the gentleman, to what do you attribute all your children? And the guy said, I love my wife dearly. And Groucho <laughs> said, I love my cigar dearly, but I take it out every now and then. Uh, you know, you look oh at all my. you look at you look at all these things and you realize these were all the precursors of what we have yeah. today. America's yes. got talent and, yes. and some of these other shows where it's like, you know, yeah, <laughs> things yes. haven't changed so much. Just the production yes. value has. Yes. And then we discovered your granddaughter, some things last the test of time, like your granddaughter watching the new Dungeons and Dragons movie and the fact that she knew what, I mean, Dungeons she and knows Dragons, the game. Been, it's been around forever. Yeah. You know, like that game has been around forever. It, and, you know, I, you know, I first learned it when I was back in college. Um, oh, did it was you? The thing, it was the thing that you all, you know, you played Dungeons and Dragons. And of course, wow. I had to be the dungeon dress, the dungeon master. Dungeon master, but, of course you had to be but, the dungeon master. But you know, it's like I can't get anybody to play the freaking game today. It's like, no, no, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. But apparently, apparently, my granddaughter has played it and does play it, and she was shocked when I told her I still have all the little figures and the books and the, yes. the dungeon sketches, and she was just like, "Really? Yes, bizarre." <laughs> oh, oh, the things, the things we did. And one little caveat, you said when you were up on the roof, they said, don't get too close because if he goes over, he'll take you with him. Yeah. And you and I were talking last week, Brian swears on a podcast. I mentioned something about lifeguards being trained to knock you out so that you don't go <laughs> under and you swear there's I don't no remember way you that saying that because you train with lifeguards and that kind of thing. But anyway, yeah, I don't remember just, that ever say, I don't remember you ever saying anything like that, but, but, but just just in honor of my partner who does listen, he's one of our favorite. Thank you, Brian, for listening. He said lifeguards are trained to put the the buoy between you and them so that, you know, when the person is drowning, they're grabbing and reaching and reaching and they grab the buoy and then they rise up to the surface and then the lifeguard is, is kicking and swimming below the surface to get them to shore as they're they're coming down and not even realizing that they're getting to shore or the side of the pool. So they're they're not trained to punch you out in the water, if that's what I said. They're trained to go down in the water with you and, and bring you up so that you can calm, calm down, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. So I think we might do a show about the metaphors of uh 
lifeguards and good mental health and stress management at some point. But that was my little caveat. We make mistakes. I make mistakes. Do your own research, people. I am I am not the Encyclopedia Britannica, which will also date me because that I is used to have them. Google. Used to have them. That's right. <laughs> now you can Google it. And not everything on the internet is true. I realize it, but there's a lot on the internet that you can find out for yourself. So be a good consumer. There you go. <laughs> all right. Um, today's show. Yeah. Is uh, all about the science of stress. Yes. How we react to stress and some little hacks that we have. And I've got some, speaking of generational stuff, that oh, I'll good. talk about at the end that everybody okay. already knows. But uh, okay. Uh, you know, let, let's start with the concept of stress, if you don't mind. Sure. And I don't know about how, how you feel about it. We haven't really, ta we've talked about stress. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about keeping your shit together. We've talked about what mm -hmm. we can do to bring more calmness and less anxiety in the world. But we've never really talked about physiologically how this all affects you. And right. I want to preface the show and, and say not all stress is bad. No. And in fact, uh, I'll just, you know, jump right into this, you know, as a performer, as an entertainer, there's something to be said for that level of, we'll call it um, pre-show jitters, butterflies in your stomach, mm -hmm. you know, the, the whole performance anxiety that happens mm -hmm. that actually is, is excitement. Right. And so yes. one of the things that I, that I, I want listeners to take away from the show is what you may have been identifying as stress. And then for you, stress equals it's bad. Mm -hmm. Maybe what if you reframed it and said that the stress that you're feeling is excitement? Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Flip that coin whenever possible. That's a great yeah. hack. Whenever possible, you're noticing stress take a little inventory of what you're excited about and focus on what you're excited about. See if that helps you manage the performance jitters or that kind of thing. For you know, sure. And, and then the other thing, and I don't know, Michelle, in your practice, how, how much you actually have to deal with this. Um, but I certainly have to deal with it when I work with other performers or politicians, anybody who's in the public eye. Yeah. And that is to address with them the physiological symptom the responses the man you know the manifestations that they have when they are stressed in a bad way mm -hmm. the things mm -hmm. that are keeping them from performing at their peak level and most of the time there's a reason it's called butterflies in your stomach yeah uh, or alternatively i know for me it's shallow breathing mm -hmm. and so um, you know, one of the things that you can do is stay very alert, very motivated, and very watchful of how your body is responding in any given situation, because that is a very good indicator, at least it has been for me, of whether you're actually experiencing stress, even if it hasn't registered yet mm. in your brain, right? What do you mean by that? So if I catch myself shallow breathing, yeah. if I feel that pit in my stomach, if I feel the tension in the back of my neck, those yeah. are great. Your body doesn't lie, right? That's the that's right. old saying. And so what I would love for listeners to do from this takeaway, because for, for me, stress is a very physiological thing. Mm -hmm. um, I would love listeners to start being more aware 
uh, and very deliberate about how their body is reacting in any given situation. How are you feeling? I mean, and you know, you've all, what's a good way to put this? You've all seen performers, whether it's live theater or it's on TV or on film, you've all seen performers who look very stiff, right? Yep. Versus, I, I love the, you know, just the Brad Pitt approach to acting, the George Clooney approach to acting. These guys who are just very, it's like, you know, very natural. I've heard Brad Pitt described by someone who knows him as the kind of guy, when you see him on screen, that's what you get in real life. And that he will, he's the kind of guy that will walk into your your house, put his feet up on the table and have a beer. <laughs> It's that kind of relaxation. And I'm not getting into the whole family issues that have come up with him. I don't know anything about the man other than on screen, he's very relaxed. Mm -hmm. um, are you finding yourself in a situation relaxed? Or um, I guess we can speak candidly here. Are you walking around like you have a stick up your ass? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if you're walking around like the ladder, there's a likely mm -hmm. some stress going on because it's your mm -hmm. body's defense mechanism kicking in. That's what stress does to us, right? It kicks in the endorphins and the, the, the adrenaline and all of these wonderful things that say, keep me safe. Right. That's where we get the fight, flight, faint concept. Right. It's a response to stress. Stress right. generally is defined as danger. Yeah. And that the body doesn't care if it's just danger in your head or if it's real danger. Correct. It, in, it interprets it the same. Um, and so again, you know, I've even, I, I don't have the statistics on it. I don't even know that it's true. I remember a long time ago um, reading a study where the, the researcher flatly said, we would all live a lot longer, but for the stress in our life. Yeah. Yeah. That the stress creates wear and tear on the body. Yeah. It absolutely does. I mean, we, how many long-term physical issues have their roots in stress or are exacerbated by stress? We're talking about high blood pressure, right? Ulcers in the stomach or gastrointestinal irritable bowel, um, headaches, um, neck and back pain. There's a tremendous amount of physical physiological things that happen in your body that you would consider medical or science that have a tremendous amount of impact and influence from stress and I mean, how you manage stress. How many times have we, and again, I go back to words have power, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a reason in the English language that we have phrases like you're a pain in the neck. Yeah. 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 You're a pain in my ass. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. There's a, because that's where it manifests. Right, right. <laughs> now, the interesting thing for me scientifically when it comes to stress mm -hmm. is that, I, and I had looked up, by the way, let me see if I still have it. I, it was part of the research for today. I don't think I've got it on here anymore. But I think it goes back to the whole concept of the term stress. If I remember right, went back to the 1930s was the first time it started appearing. Oh, and interestingly enough, as I recall the article, um, when stress was first, quote, identified, end quote, as something to be noticed, 
it was external events were happening on the person who was being studied you know our our ability to study and refine and define and quantify stress has changed and i think more and more people are saying no it's an inside job mm. right there's all these things out there the stressors like we mm. even like to call it yeah. that yeah stressors activators right? triggers triggers all these things are out mm. there but they what are. we're what we're finding is that yes but no two people experience stress the same way. That's right. The individual differences have to be noted. What's stressful yeah. for one person is not for another and vice versa. Yeah, I, yeah. And again, I'll go back to performing. I have watched people who will flat out tell you they have no stage fright. It just doesn't exist for them. It's amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's not only amazing, it's as it's it's equally as scary when you realize <laughs> when you realize the personality that that requires. Oh, uh -huh. um, uh, and it's just empowering. It's like, oh my god, these people yeah. have no fear. Yeah. You know? So we go back to the but for but for Scott stage fright, I could do this. Right. Right. Um, and I catch my. Go ahead. Adrenaline junkies, right? You know, some people they yeah. love to climb mountains with just their hands and a few ropes and other people love to jump out of planes and love to do skateboard and dirt bike. Well, I just, I, I just watched a picture of somebody posting a, a hiking camping trip that they were on. Uh huh. Now you think camping, hiking, I think of local mountains here, you go camping, you hike, they're freaking sleeping on the side of a cliff. <laughs> they've got ropes tied to the top and there's a sleeping bag and it's like oh hell no wow that is somebody who has learned how to master environmental stressors for sure if so <laughs> and they get and and so i'm i think that a lot of times maybe scott they're afraid of balancing their checkbook <laughs> because we all have stressors right we so. i'm sure they right yeah <laughs> <laughs> money is money is a huge stressor for people. Yes. Uh -huh. And retirement, retirement took over. Well, I only heard this verbally. I don't know that I've read it in the data, but uh, retire fear of not being able to have enough money to retire took over as the number one fear over fear of public speaking not that long ago. So people are it's, shifting it's, to money issues as their number they, one fear. They are. And when you realize, again, the average, I don't want to turn this into a money course, but, you know, I talk to folks about this, that mm -hmm. the average American, I do not know the international data, but the average American, the American family, when someone retires, the breadwinner, yeah, they have like eight to $10,000 in their savings account. Oh, wow. You can't live on that. You can't live on that. So, there's an, so it's no wonder wow. that there are stressors when it comes to money. Some people, by the way, have this firm belief that money is the root of all evil and they can't handle the, even the concept of money. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it is, I, I would love for people today to, to do so a little bit of homework mm -hmm. and that's take an inventory of what's wreaking havoc in your life. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. Just make a list. What, what is it? Internal, external, doesn't matter. What is it that's wreaking havoc? And what are your, your fears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's probably a fear associated with it mm -hmm. that is attempting to keep you safe. 
say more about that? How is it attempting to keep you safe? Well, I think all fear, speaking from personal knowledge, I think that all fear is that I've likened this before. I got this concept from Alan Watts, the, the, the Zen Buddhist teacher from a, a couple of generations ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Back to the generation. You know, he, he talks about the ego mm -hmm. and how the ego is there essentially to protect us, keep us safe in whatever form it is. And that it's much like the sonar on a submarine that is constantly dinging out there. Well, when you're constantly sending out the sonar, and you're looking for things you might hit, then you're constantly living in a state of fear. Oh. And if you're constantly living in a state of fear, then your stress level has got to proportionately go up because you've, you've triggered in this little paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. The set point inside yourself that says, shit's going to happen. Mm -hmm. not, not, not what we and I've talked about where we know it will happen at some point. Right. But it's, you know, the, the people who catastrophize and, and worryify everything constantly, everything is a problem. Everything is an issue. Everything is dramatic. Yeah. And when you operate at that level, because you're afraid, again, personal experience, when you're afraid that the unknown is constantly going to hurt you, then you start looking for coping mechanisms. And a lot yeah. of times it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I went somewhere in my head where I was, um, I think I actually started to do my own little inventory in my head about what are the stressors in my life and the activators in my life because I've worked, worked so hard to kind of get over phobias, like the fear of public speaking, I, you know, I've worked really hard to get over um, fears of scarcity, which is back to the financial thing, because that, that was a big thing growing up is there's a lot of scarcity growing up. And uh, I think it, it's, it's fascinating how easily we can get hijacked. So here I am on a podcast trying to help people learn how to keep their shit together, talking about the science of stress and how to manage it. And like, I, I went into my own little stress zone for a second and it's so easy to do. It, it is. It's, and it's so negative focused, right? And, and again, one of the things, if I might make a little distinction here, mm -hmm. I know you went into your head and you said, what are the stressors in my life? Uh -huh. I'm asking listeners to take it to the next level. Okay. I, it's not just, I don't want you to, to identify stressors. I want you to identify what wreaks havoc. Because you can have a stressor, difference. you can have a stressor in your life, right? I'm I, going to the dentist. Um, I'm trying to think of things. Um, I've gotten a, I've got somebody. Oh, here's a good Busy one. Busy schedule. I've got a, I've got someone who right before we start our podcast says, "Can you please call me? I've got someone I need to introduce you to." And it's like it, uh, your your right, little right squirrel brain. My is little this? squirrel brain is like, <laughs> I, I've got a podcast I'm starting. I can't do this, and it's like, oh my god, right? because Sorry. you know it, it, so that's those are stressors those are it's, stressors it's, those aren't wreaking havoc in my life yeah okay so, you know things that wreak havoc in your life again whether it's an external or an internal is completely irrelevant right now is to is to simply identify them and mm -hmm. as you're going through and identifying them to ask yourself as you write them down where are you feeling it in your body 
And I think, Michelle, you've done this with clients. It's like, you know, what do you name it? What color is it? Um, what, do, does it look like anything? Does it have a, a, a shape? Is it a person? Um, when was the first time you felt this feeling and this fear and this havoc? Yeah, I mean, it, I, and I'll give you a great example. I, it, it's, it's funny how things work um, in threes for me, right? We've talked about this before. And I, I've talked very openly on this show about my distaste for spiders. It is not arachnophobia. It is not because I can be around a spider. I'm not holding a tarantula. Sorry, never going to happen. But, um, you know, it, it's, I'm not running away from them. Um, and where that all came from. Well, sh damn it. If sure enough, someone decides to, it, first of all, my wife asks me to come out into the garden in the grove. She says, you've got to look at this beautiful spider and this web that the spider did. Uh -huh. and, I, and she said, you may want to take a picture of it because she knows I take pictures of the grove. And I was like, in my head, why? Why? Why would I want to do this? Come on, Carolyn. And and then, well, but she's fascinated by it because it turns out the spider eats its own web at night to regain some of the protein. Nature is a fascinating thing, right? So okay. then it spins it again. That started number one. Then, then I am contacted by a fellow uh, hypnotist who tells me that they've got a, an arachnophobe client <laughs> coming in. Oh, and it's like, why are you telling oh, me? Oh, wait. And isn't your grandson's favorite superhero Spider-Man? Yes. So, as so you that, have a triple, triple Spider-Man. That's, that's not even the triple one. So oh. as, so as, as, as Batman, I am constantly telling him, I will squish you like a bug. <laughs> it's just our funny little joke together. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then how this came up, I'm sure it's because everybody's listening to everything and you have no privacy. And you know, I'm into tarot and fortune telling and divination. Damn it. Uh -huh. If I don't get a post about, I'm going to call it new because I've never, I thought I had studied everything. Uh -huh. There is actually freaking spider fortune telling where you take a variety of things and you put them in the garden and then you watch how the spider does its web or walks on these things and it's like oh hell no i think the universe is trying to tell you that you might need to conquer this i know that <laughs> i'm just wondering but uh okay so let's say we've identified something wreaking havoc in someone's life uh, and hopefully in terms of the science of stress Hopefully I'm not repeating myself, but there's so much information about this. You know, it's all based in the amygdala, right? The amygdala hijacks your body and you go into fight, flight, freeze, faint reactions that the stress can trigger. And so this is, this is what you do when you have an urgent stressor. Stress, another way stress is good is stress will tell you to take action. Do you need to fight? Do you need to run away? Do you need to freeze or do you need to faint? And so stress it's meant to help you survive that's why the stress response exists in your body is it's trying to help your body live as long as possible and and procreate <laughs> so that you know the survival of this species so there really is a scientific biological balance to whatever your stress is even if the stress doesn't make logical sense there's something in your body that's telling you 
I don't know, it's unsafe to balance your checkbook or it's unsafe to go to the grocery store or it's unsafe to wear your mask or not wear your mask, right? We just got through all of that with the pandemic, you know? Um, is it unsafe to be with your spiders? So now you have that. But there's kind of a difference. Like when you say wreaking havoc in your life, Scott, I think about chronic stressors, like the things that are just ongoing that are starting to affect a person's health, well-being, um, freedom of choice, uh, flexibility that, you know, someone's becoming rigid and it's affecting sleep and it's affecting other things. That's the wreaking havoc piece. I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to give you just a small little pushback and tell you what happened yesterday. Okay. And it wreaked havoc for okay. Scott. Didn't wreak okay. havoc for anybody, it wreaked havoc for Scott. Okay. Um, we had just left the house. And we got a call from our next door neighbor who asked us if we had seen the dogs that sh she was babysitting. Oh. I had heard the dogs bark in the morning, didn't think anything of it. And make uh -huh. a long, again, make a very long story short. She said she had gotten back from church, came in, the dogs are gone. Ooh. And she believes someone stole them out of the backyard. Oh. It's awful. And I love my dogs. Of course you do. And, and I started ruminating and catastrophizing. And it was like, oh, my God. First of all, we turned around and went looking for the dogs. By the okay. way, the dogs have been found, folks. Let me give you okay. the good. Good. Thank they, you. They, Thank had you. Got, they had gotten out. Somebody had rescued them. They are both shipped. And so okay. the pound was okay. able to find them amongst it, right? Great. But in, but in the interim, this yeah. entire situation wreaked havoc on my life yeah. because I started saying, we need to go home. I know the dog, our dogs are in the back, inside the house. We didn't keep them in the back. Okay. They're inside the house. What if someone tries to break in the house and steal? To get them? your dogs. Wow. It completely overwhelmed the entire freaking morning. Oh. So I, and it was, a, it was an acute situation rather than chronic. Right. And then she called and said, the dogs have been found and blah, blah, blah. And we got on next door and it was a whole coordinated thing. Uh-huh. Um, but in the meantime, it wreaked havoc on my life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't blame you there. That, uh, you know. By the way, completely yeah. unnecessary, which I think most and, of you will find. In the end, then, right? Most of the things you worry about and get mm -hmm. tense over and fear, they don't happen. But you also bring up a vicarious trauma, a secondary stress response, right? Like you wouldn't have been thinking about your dogs and their safety if you hadn't received that phone call. Correct. And sometimes that's the activator is we hear about someone else's unfortunate situation and suddenly we apply it to our own lives. What if I get cancer? What if I uh, lose all my assets in a scandalous investment? Um, you know, we start to get this vicarious trauma too. So it's another layer on top of our own life stressors, hearing about the stressful situations that happen around the world all the time is a chronic overwhelming stressor that I think we're all dealing with right now. You know, all the wars and all the famine and all of the poverty and all of the um, physical lack of safety, it, it is affecting us now, even when I'm sitting inside my own office, totally safe. Well, I, I can tell you that just as, as, again, put it in the entertainment field, moving back into live appearances. Yeah. 
people are still all weirded out. Do I hug oh, you? Yes. Do I shake your hand? Do I fist bump you? Do we just stand six feet apart and say, hi, what a great show. <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell to do anymore. It's true. So true. Yeah. That I noticed that too. And you lose some, you months. lose some of the connectivity mm-hmm. that you used mm-hmm. to have. Right. Yeah. So before we run out of time, shall we refocus on how to get ourselves back into homeostasis, back into allostatic balance and recovering from stress? Um, sure. And I think you're, you're, you know, I don't know if you want to start with some of your tips. I've, I've got a few that mm-hmm. I use. A generational thing at the end. Well, it, so the, the generational thing, let, let me start with the easy one. Okay. And, and that is... Uh, for any of you that want to go to my website, and this is not a shameless plug because I'm not selling you anything. Um, <laughs> if you go to my website and you look for uh, the meditation that I have on there, there's a great way for you to be able to de-stress, right? You can take it, you can put it on your phone, you can listen yes. to it when you need to. Yes. Um, and I created it as much for me as for anybody else. That's number yes. one. Yes. So uh, I started off this discussion um, with a, a disc, with outlining the physiological symptoms uh-huh. of stress. And for me, one of the quickest ways to de-stress is to fight fire with fire. Uh-huh. So if you're having a physiological response, I want a physiological cure. Okay. And this is where the generational crap comes in. Okay. I, honest to God, still walk around with fidget spinners. And I've got a whole collection of them, including uh-huh. Batman ones. And there is something He's showing to, the audience there's visually to, right now. There is something listening. to be said. <laughs> there's something to be said about just freaking fidgeting from a physiological standpoint. There have not been a whole lot of scientific studies. There uh-huh. have been some, but I carry this stuff with me. Sure. Um, and you, you know, you just, you get used to the fidgeting uh-huh. I believe, by the way, for those of you who are fellow hypnotists, I believe what this does is create what's called a pattern interrupt. And so your body, right? They, they originally, by the way, discussed fidget spinners for, for folks with OCD and ADHD mm-hmm. and, and kids doing that. You know, whether I have either one of those, I don't know. I've never been diagnosed. I can just telling you from a stress perspective, if yes. I've got a fidgety thing. Yes. I, I've got something that seems to take my body's attention. Remember that stress response mm-hmm. and redirect mm-hmm. it. I will, I will, I know it's a little bit bigger than a fidget spinner. I have a Rubik's cube and for no, I just literally fidget with one hand, this cube. Yes. I, I love the sound of the clicking. I like the feel of the turning. Uh-huh. Um, the grandkids, by the way, are all into this thing now. Some of them can solve parts of it, but they're just, they're into this movement and they're instantly attracted to the colors by the way i've noticed our youngest grandchild she's she's just attracted to the to the literal colors of it mm. and she looks at it and she you know plays with it and then uh, my last little physiological tip for for those of you who are my magician friends i am never without a deck of cards ever uh-huh. Uh-huh. um even to the extent where my wife has had to say scott put the cards away you're you're in public and you know i'll sit i'll 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 literally sit there and while i'm driving one-handed cuts one-handed shuffles it's it's my 
it's my way of of fidgeting okay um, in case you don't have a fidget spinner i love the feel of these things so for listeners the way that this translates is rather than the meditations which i strongly urge i use them rather than the yoga i strongly urge i use them all these things the breathing techniques i use them it also helps to go find a physiological um out out what's the word i want to use um outlet yeah i guess it's an outlet but a, a way to divert your your physiology your body mm -hmm. into doing something else you know i'm not sitting here saying okay i take the fidget spinner and i gotta mm -hmm. spin it it's right. it's it's second nature right 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 and the reason i say that to you is that at least i find that when you create this new paradigm for your body this outlet this you know this feeling by the way many people do this they bite their nails they chew their hair they're they're doing this nervous thing with their knee i i'm simply yes. saying um let's find a good outlet mm -hmm. rather than smoking or drinking or or numbing it down with drugs yep that, that you might find in fact that just being physical by the way some of you it may be exercise right go for it go for a jog go for a fast walk right you know there are lots of techniques out there by the way on self-holding oh yeah peter levine's self-holding space yeah where mm -hmm. where you know it, and there have been lots of of people who've talked about the mm -hmm. whole self self-holding thing where mm -hmm. it's it's the physical experience of it that reduces mm -hmm. the anxiety mm -hmm. you cross your arms and start to rub up and down on your upper arms or you yeah, put one hand one on your them. forehead and one hand on your heart and you breathe in like a cycle those are a couple examples but and, and I you can tell you seek big, out more a big one for me uh, I use EFT emotional freedom technique constantly tapping um, mm -hmm. right and so even if you do nothing more than work on your sternum mm -hmm. there are lots of pressure points in here that if you you know you find yourself uh in a stressful or anxiety ridden uh or activated place you just rub your sternum press deeply mm -hmm. and then do some tapping along that notice mm -hmm. the difference again these are physiological um proven methods not woo-woo stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I really don't care why a fidget spinner works I don't care <laughs> you find well, what works for you um and you go from there so a, a couple of other along the physiological outlets, you're stuck in a meeting or a conference or a class and you're feeling stressed, take out paper or your phone and take notes because the physiological process of translating the words that you're hearing into words that you're recording on a piece of paper or in a, in a device, that helps you stay present which helps you avoid whatever thing you're catastrophizing about or you're stressing about. Right. So taking notes, if you don't like to take notes, another form of fidgeting is doodling that when you doodle, it helps some people process the verbal information that they're in and stay present. So those are two examples. If you don't like the fidget spinner or don't want to attract the distraction that that can cause in a room full of people, um, or you just want to be more private about it, doodling on your own piece of paper or writing notes and translating it, those are, are good 
sources. Um, there's an incredible amount of research out of Melody Beattie, B-E-A-T-T-I-E, who started dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT skills, which is um, an advancement on cognitive behavioral skills, was really started for personality disorders, uh, people that had struggled in their life with borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder and the struggle with managing distress, tolerating distress. And what we found is actually those distress tolerance skills are great for everyone. It doesn't matter if you have a mental health diagnosis or not, but holding an ice cube in your hand until it melts, um, uh, counting backwards by, right, by the way, don't, don't 100. do, don't, don't, don't do the ice cube thing around electrical devices. Uh, that's true. <laughs> um, filing your nails or brushing your hair has a sensation to it that seems to calm. So not only petting your furry babies, but also petting yourself in some way back to the Peter Levine, rubbing your arms, that nail filing or brushing your hair, or even brushing your teeth, these kinds of physiological things that you can do that are actually good for you and good for your overall hygiene and well-being are also good for managing stress. So there's a lot of good resources out there from, you know, I just wanted you to know about Melody Beattie, if, if none of you have heard of her work before. Yeah, it's wonderful. By the way, for those of you who are our listeners, who are my doodle overachievers, <laughs> um, take a look at Zen Tangles. Take a look Zen at the whole tangles. Zen Tangles. Okay. Um, it, it is a practice that I have used. And by the way, it can be as covert, for lack of a better way to put it, as doing Zen Tangles on uh, post-it notes. I, I would do Zen Tangles in the middle of a trial, at a hearing. I just don't want to be distracted. And it takes doodling to a whole nother level. Yeah. And it doesn't require massive artwork. I'm going to leave it for our listeners to explore. You just type in Zen, Z-E-N, Tangles, T-A-N-G-L-E-S. Some of these are beautiful pieces of, of art, by the way. And others, it's like, I, you know, I, I might take the judge's gavel and draw the gavel. And then I, it's, it's, a what's a bet? It's doodling for adults, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I think I think we've given some classic tips and some new tips for stress management when it happens, when you find yourself in it. Did you what were your generational oh, I, things you wanted to end with? The generational things were the fidget spinners. Oh. Uh, because right? because because Frank, look, I'm old. Let's just get real. <laughs> right? The fidget spinners were not my generation. No, I adapt. Not. I adapted them. I stole them. I use it constantly. Um, I'm, I'm not kidding. I've got freaking collections of, of, of <laughs> I began to hoard fidget spinners because it just feels so cool to it be able so to, funny. you know, do whatever. Right. Uh -huh. And they're little tiny, you know, this is a little tiny futuristic one. I've got a lot of Batman ones people would give me. Um, I've, I've got Harry Potter ones that people have given me. With, with you know the, the flying puck thing in the air and I, if you go to a, a flea market I haven't been to one in years there were booths set up with just nothing but a variety of fidget spinners and they're so inexpensive now um, and they were the rage all in school 
So generationally, what I've done is I've done the exact opposite. I've, I've taken something that most people my age would never think would to never do. play with uh-huh, or do. And it's uh-huh. like, guys, you know, it doesn't have to be the other way around where we talk about Mark and Mindy or Alf or, or whatever. And the younger generation doesn't know. Stay curious, be open-minded. And as you age, you know, some of the younger generation folks, they've got some really cool stuff out there. They just don't know it themselves because they don't know how to apply it in the real world. Scott, you're so bussing. I'm so what? I thought I would catch you. This is a generational gap thing. It, it For Gen Zs, it's their way of saying that you are extremely great. You're tasty. And uh, basically, you're amazing. So Scott, well, well, you're so bussing. It's probably the first time anybody's ever used that with you. I have never <laughs> heard that term. As a matter of fact, I had never heard the term bougie before. Uh, somebody had to explain that one to me. So okay, all right. <laughs> well, there you go. There That's you a, go. Another right. vernacular that from the Gen Zs that you can uh, check out. Perfect. All right, <laughs> we're going to bring this one to an end. Next week we are live again, uh, yes. and we're going to actually, having spoken about meditation, we're going to talk about meditation and mindfulness for stress reduction, Ooh. and we're going to we're going to get heavy into that and talk about, um, you know, can you do this yourself? Do you need to have guided instruction there are lots of apps and lots of youtube things that you can do yes. and what work what works for the two of us so we'll yes. be doing that next week i look forward to it all right thank you all for listening again please like subscribe share us on your favorite platform help us keep growing i believe we are now at all well over eight thousand uh listens so thank you all for doing this thank you um we've been doing this for a while now and so thank you spotify for giving us a platform yes thank you so much for tuning in with all that we'll see you next week bye-bye you've reached the end of another episode of keeping your together in a stressed world with michelle post and scott grossberg if you like our show we'd love for you to subscribe rate our broadcast and leave a review The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.